Someone asked me why I have an orange tie on. It's because of St. Patrick's Day. And uh, people, oh, it's supposed to be green. Actually, St. Patty's start, St. Patrick's Day original color was purple, the purple robe of the priest. And then it went to green when the Catholics took over. And then the Protestants wear orange because St. Patrick was really a Protestant in his uh, belief and so forth. You Google it and you can read up on him. And uh, it's interesting not to always just believe everything you're spoon-fed. And uh, he didn't chase the snakes out of Ireland, by the way. He didn't rescue the potato patch or any of that other stuff they say he did. That was all done by others. But uh, he, he was a prominent uh, a guy in converting the island to Protestantism and to uh, having an influence there in, in, in its early uh, days. So... Uh, Romans 16, if you will, this morning, we're going to continue our Grace Reset study, if you will. Uh, you'll, you'll notice this is number six, and uh, really I've kind of just entitled this Who We Are, um, just because I'm going to look at those in the overhead. We, we run that overhead, you know, the welcome, the Southwest Bible Fellowship, and then in the second uh, uh, slide, Southwest Bible, Who We're About, and uh, on there, we're, we say we're, we're, we are about a gospel you can believe. That's Paul's, my gospel. Then we say we're about a Bible you can trust. And that's the King James Bible. Then we say we're about a study you can understand. And that's the dispensational Bible study. And then we say a life you can live. That's going to be the grace life. That's our next step. And then a purpose you can fulfill. And that's the issue of the eternal purpose of the Godhead and so forth. And I just wanted to remind ourselves about that. And it's what we've been doing. Um, it's just kind of, e e by the way, each, of, each study is a study within itself. I'm going to try to hit all five just kind of in the treetop manner. And then after we get done looking at the grace life, we'll come back in and we'll look at each one in a very, in a very more detailed manner. Because what we've been dealing with and what we've been talking about is the issue of, of, this, of building on the foundation. Uh, Romans 16, verse 25 and 26, uh, the issue of godly edification. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets. By the way, we usually stop with that verse right there. You need to keep reading the verse, okay? According to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to who? Isn't that interesting? All nations for the obedience of faith. That verse right, that, that end of that verse right there tells you that God's word has always been originally intended to be in the languages of all the nations, not just English, now, I don't speak all the other languages, okay? But if you do, then what would you do? You would go find the Word of God in your language, wouldn't you? Yeah, okay? By the way, you want an easy text? Come over to Hebrews. I'm, I'm kind of jump ahead here a little bit and get off subject, and then we'll get back on subject, and then we'll worry about wonder where we went. <laughs> Look at Hebrews 10. Here's a verse. I had a guy one time argue me up and down that the, 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 the NIV was God's word and it was boom. I mean, and he had his verses and bam, 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 and how bad the King James. It's interesting, by the way, the, they never say we're replacing that old NIV version of edition of number one and two. You know, I think they're what, by like 20 edition or something. They never say that. They always go after what? That old King James Bible. Well, there's a reason why they don't say if they were going to replace the first and second edition of the NIV, you know what that means? They'd have to admit they were wrong. They made a mistake. And they're not going to do that. So we can pick on the old, the old guys, the guys that can't defend themselves, except for we defend them. Anyway, look at Hebrews 10. Look at verse 7. Then said I, and this is the Savior talking to the Father, Lo, I come. Now look at that parenthesis. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Now, that's a quote out of Psalms 40, okay? Who's the central figure of the Word of God? Christ is. 
So if I'm looking for a Bible that is going to demote the Lord Jesus Christ, then what do I know I have? Not the Word of God. I'm looking for a book that's going to do what? Promote the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only one that does that, by the way, in English, is a King James Bible. So here we are. Okay? So when we are looking at this issue, I don't know how I got on all that. doesn't matter. We're talking about the oh, uh, in the, the uh, all nations for the obedience of faith. So don't go so far to, to to get all bothered about the issue of translation. Everybody does inspiration preservation. They tend to wrap their minds around that, but translation that's when they have the kit. I mean, they have a cow. Well, well, if God think about this, if God can take deity language, put it down into Hebrew. Moses can take it and talk Egyptian to Pharaoh, and it hardened his heart. I think God's got no problem with translating anything, okay? All right, I really don't. So we'll just let that be, okay? My point is, is when we're talking about this stuff, this, this information about how you're building, you're resetting your thinking, how you're looking at your foundation, okay? Our foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's my gospel, right? Then it's the, the goal of the church, the body of Christ, what he's doing today. It's the issue of glory, and it's the issue of godliness, okay? Now, I'm putting it down here for a reason because I want to show you where we're going. This is a life that you're living. And as you live it, it starts, come over to Romans 1, with a gospel that you can believe. If I told you this morning that you had to walk the aisle in order to be saved, and that's all I said, so you walk the aisle, you know what you would never know? Did I do it right? Do I start with the left foot in or the right foot in and shake it all about? How do I start? Right? You would always wonder, did I do it right? Did I have enough faith? Did I do exactly what the preacher said? If I said, hop on your right leg? Well, some of you can, some of us can't. I can't today either. Anyway, I, after yesterday, I couldn't do that. What would, you would, how many times do I hop? Did I hop right? Did I hop left? Did I, do I have to stay in this? You would, and you know what? The gospel takes all that off the table. Romans 1, verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What's the power of God unto salvation? Walking the aisle or jumping in the baptismal or, all right, or giving all my money to the preacher? No, no, okay. We won't do that. What is, what is the power? What does that verse say the power is? The gospel of Christ. Come over to 1 Corinthians 15. On your way, stop in chapter 1. Think about that. He says the power of God doesn't sit in you. It doesn't sit in your activity. So what did he just do? He took you out of the equation. So now when I come to Calvary here, and I'm going to place my faith and trust in what he did and what he accomplished. Do you know why the cross is offensive? The offense of the cross. You know why it's offensive? Because it says you can't do anything. That's why it's offensive. Because what does man say? I can do it. You can do it. Come on, man. It's a bone. You know, if I write the check big enough, I can do it. No. no. God's The grace of God says, eh, thanks for playing. Look at 1 Corinthians 1. Look at verse 18. For the preaching of, of, the, of the cross is to them that perish. What? How does the world look at the cross? The preaching of the cross. We're going to go to the swap meet. We've heard it. At the, we've, you hear everything at the swap meet. It's a great way to judge where humanity is. Really is. Lady walks by. She's got to be in her late 60s, early 70s. Oh, I know everything. I know it all already. Right off the edge she goes. I don't think you really do. No, I do. Bam. I'm not going to talk to you. Why? Because I, what? I know it all. It's foolishness. 
But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Believe what? To believe the sun rises and sets? No. Believe this conspiracy over this conspiracy? No. Believe what? The preaching of the cross. Come to chapter 15. Chapter 15. Here it is. Chapter 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. You need to underline that. Nobody has preached this prior to Paul. Paul says, I, this is the message, this is the gospel, this is the good news, this is what I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are what? Saved. Notice, not born again. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. Not regenerated, by the way, even though Titus 3 you are. But you are what? You are saved. You know what that means? That means you are rescued from peril and trouble and tribulation. It's got a context. What was I saved from here in the context? Verse 4, verse 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Notice, I delivered unto you what? First. The first guy given this message in a salvation context. A justification, being saved from eternal damnation and to be saved unto eternal life is the Apostle Paul. I first delivered unto you that which I also received. How did he get it? He got it by talking directly to the risen, ascended, seated far above heavenly places, Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what he says? How that Christ died for our sins. So what am I getting saved from? From my sins. Don't not finish that verse, though, according to what? Ooh. But wait a minute, Rick. It's not found back there. didn't say it was found back there. It just says according to what? The Scriptures. All Scripture is given. Doesn't See, people read stuff into this. Well, it's not found in the Old Testament Scriptures. No kidding, it's not. But it doesn't say according to the Old Testament. It says according to what? The Scriptures. The message that was given to me. The script, writing it down. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to what? The scriptures. What in the All scriptures given by inspiration of God. He spoke it. All of it. And you know what he said, Paul? You're the guy and you're going to preach a gospel. Come back over here to Romans 3. And that gospel message of good news to the Gentiles, good news to the world out there, is that I died for you. Chapter 3, verse 9. Some good news here. 3, 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, and no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. <laughs> Woohoo! Good news, man. You're a sinner. Woohoo! Thank you. Needed to know that. Do you know that the average person today in the world doesn't even know what a sin is? They have no concept of it. You go talk to the young people that walk our, who, who are not millennials, let them off the hook now, the Gen Zs. Millennials aren't any better, but some of them have kind of caught on here as they've gotten older and had kids, figured it out. But you go to the average college-age kid or just graduated out of that, they absolutely have no concept of morality of what it is to be a sinner. And yet, what are they? They're a sinner. Verse 21, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What's going on? You're a sinner. You're short. Cut you off at the knees and call you shorty. You're coming up short to that perfect standard of righteousness. And what the Father's going to say here is He's going to say, I know you're short, and I provided the answer in my Son right there. Verse 25. 
verse 24, being justified freely by His grace. See that word freely? What a wonderful grace word. Freely. No walk in the aisle. No hopping on one leg. If I had you come up here and try to do something, none of that. Not even shaking the preacher's hand. Whoo! None of that. He says, I did this freely to you, for you. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God, there's the Father, hath set forth to be a propitiation. Boy, what a wonderful redemptive term. Propitiation. Fully satisfying the payment requirement for sin. Through faith. Now, notice where the Father put his faith. In his blood. Isn't that interesting? You and I will say, you got to trust the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why we say that? Because the Father said it first. He says, I know that what my son accomplished at Calvary is enough to take care of the penalty of sin, the debt that is owed. And you trust him and him alone, and guess what's going to happen? You'll be good to go. Chapter 4 of Romans. Chapter 4, verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. What's the issue with God? Faith. That's been the issue with God since Genesis with Adam and Eve. That's the issue with God all through Israel's program is faith. I mean, you think about, I think about the Old Testament saint that's not in Scripture. The guy that goes out and does everything that that law mandated that he did, and he's doing it not out of trying to get, but because he's doing it because God's Word said it, and i got to do this. I think about that guy. He's going to get resurrected into that kingdom out there in the future. Why? Because he, by faith, did what was required of him to do. And what was required? Every day, three times a year, go to Jerusalem. That 25% tithing tax, woo. Tend to the mother church, to the tribe of Levi, take care of the nation. 10% over here goes into the vacation fund, so I got money to go travel three times to, the, to Jerusalem. The other little percentage over here to help the poor, help the stranger. Could you imagine just doing that day in, day out, because that's what the Word of God told them to do? God looks down at that. By the way, chapter 3 there, verse 25, we didn't finish the verse. Faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past. That's not you. That's the Old Testament. That's time past, through the forbearance of God. That little, that little average day Jew, Jewish believer doing what he's doing. You know what the Lord's doing? The Lord knows Calvary's coming. And he's attaboying this over here. It's not your forbearance. It's not, by the way, your sins were future of the Cal of Calvary. When he died on the cross, you were way future a few hundred thousand, a few thousand years, hundred thousand years. We were discussing that the other day, climbing the goofy hill about the, you know, how they date the earth and all that wonderful nonsense. A few thousand years ago. So your future, so that's not you. Verse 26 is you. Now I declare, to declare I say at this time his righteousness. See, now we're going to talk about now. So, folks, we got a gospel we can believe here. We, got a, we, have, an, we have a message, we have a good news, chapter 4, verse 5, verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. The resurrection. You know what it does? Stamps the, the, the receipt paid in full. The resurrection says it's done. It's paid. When he hangs on Calvary and says it is finished, what's finished? The payment is finished. When he is resurrected, Paul comes in and says, when he resurrected, you know what that did? That says your justification is a true deal. It's a sure deal. And the good news that the grace of God has provided for you is that complete payment for your sin. And you're to know this. By the way, you're to know it because you got a book you can believe. And that's the King James Bible, which is the next point on the overhead. Why? 
Because if I don't have a book that I can believe, I don't have a gospel I can trust. You see, they're going to get interlinked here. Come over to Romans 10. You know why you need a Bible you can believe? Because of Romans 10 and verse 17. Romans 10, verse 17. Folks, we're talking about your eternal life here. We're talking about how to know that this is the real deal, how to know that this, and we're just not whistling Dixie and trying to up here and do something goofy. If we are going to do that, I'd go home. I can do that real good at home. Look at Romans 10, look at verse 17. Now, I know we're talking about Israel and Paul and with Israel and everything dispensationally, but think about what it is. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the what? Your faith needs an object to trust. Everybody in this room has faith. You have it. Yeah, you're sitting on it. Is Okay? So your faith is in that object of that pew going to hold you up. Now, you don't know I sawed the legs off and then put them back underneath and we'll see how. No, So your faith has an object. The Word of God says, lo, in the volume of the book, it's written of who? Me. I'm the object of your faith. And what did I do for you? I died for you. And now I'm going to give you my life. You have a book you can believe. That's why 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17 we all go over it all the time. Why? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? It's profitable. 2 Timothy 3.16. It's profitable. What's it profitable for? For my salvation, but now for my walk. It's going to build me up. It's going to equip me now for a life that I can live. But look, notice... It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Paul says over there in 1 Corinthians 14, if you think you're spiritual or a prophet, what are you going to do? You're going to acknowledge the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Ephesians 3, he talks over there, he says, where I wrote a four and a few words, whereby you may know my understanding of the mystery of Christ. It's written down. It's not enough to be verbal. It has to be what? Written. I know what they say about the book. Oh, men in the Middle Ages, they didn't have the Dark Ages. They couldn't. You know, that's a bunch of lies. It's a bunch of tomfoolery. Do you know that during the Dark Ages there was such advancements in certain areas in the con- of the world that, that they will never give acknowledgement to? They have proven that behind the wall of China, before China was open to the world, that they had literally batteries, battery-operated stuff. Now, they were big batteries. This is a long time ago. They had things going on. Why? I, it just in Luke the other night. Luke is going to go through the historical records and get all the eyewitnesses' accounts and get them together for the treatise for Theophilus. You go back in the Chronicles and all those books of the kings of Israel and all that historical reference books. There's some like fourteen of them mentioned in the Word of God where they go over and they pull that story and they put it into Scripture. Holy men are moving, 1 Peter 1. They go over they get the, and they put it in. Because it will say Solomon and the rest of his acts are, they're down at the library in the book of the Kings. If you want to study up. Now, you can't go get that book anymore because it's been destroyed. But that book right there has been right there. So I know it was there. That's why the Bible issue is an issue. Because what is it going to do to you? It's going to mess you up at the very beginning on which gospel. You you with me? Come over to Galatians 2. Just one passage. Galatians 2. Galatians 2, verse 7. Galatians 2, verse 7. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. You see that little two-letter word, of? 
the gospel of. The new Bibles make that to, T-O. The gospel to. Do you know that the gospel of the uncircumcision and the gospel of the circumcision are two different messages? But when it says the gospel to, now it's the same message. But now how do I get saved? Do I, tr- do I believe that Christ died for my sins, was buried and rose again the third day? Or do I need to repent and be baptized and come and join in on the kingdom church stuff? So now I'm confused. So you know what I do? I do both. Cover my bases. Do you know that that's, that is called unbelief? What that's called? Why? Because God's word. Now, we, now what do we need? So we have a gospel we can believe. We have a Bible we can trust. When this book's right and I'm wrong, guess what? It's right. It's called having a final authority. And I hope your final authority is the Word of God, then a study you can understand, rightly divided. Because if your final authority is whatever mood you're in, then good luck. Because I know your mood changes as much as mine. Yesterday we went and hiked Piastua Peak, and my hiking partner there, Jeff, we're halfway there. I look, I go, we ain't halfway there. We're just starting. We're half. Get over. We're almost there. Halfway there. Point two five to go. I'm like, dude, be. We're in no way. Because I'm looking down, and the guy at the top's a little bitty dude. There ain't no way. <laughs> then we get up there, and he goes, seriously, Rick, we're almost there. I go, no, you're a liar, man. <laughs> no way. Why? Because it couldn't, you know. Now there was some, there's levity in that jest, and he was pulling my, poking at me, because I'm huffing and puffing behind him. He's running up the hill. I'm like, dude, honestly, come on. You have a Bible you can trust. But when you come to that word, yes, it is the word of God. When it is right, it's right, and when it's wrong, it's never wrong. Who's wrong? I'm wrong. So now I have the ability to understand this book because guess what? Come over to 2 Timothy 2. I have a study that allows me to understand the book. You guys with me? See what's going on here? We start here. Whoops. I got all my chalk over here. We start here with the gospel from a book that we can understand And now we're going to have a walk that's going to come because we can rightly divide it. And we can begin to understand that not everything in that book's to me, about me. It's not my mail, however you need to think. But it is not always for me, not always to me. I can figure this out. 2 Timothy 2.15. I love that first word, study. You know that's the only book, that's the only verse in your Bible that uses, that starts with the word study. This is the only verse that tells you to study. The next, the next closest verse to it is in Ecclesiastes where Solomon says, studying is where you do the flesh. And it is, by the way. Study to show who? I love that. Thyself. You know what? This isn't about proving who's right and who's wrong. This isn't about proving that I can pull it out of the club bag over here and bang somebody up against the head with it. Not at all. I know we do that sometimes. I do too. But that's not what it is. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of what? Truth. This isn't truth from error, because the word of God is true, period. When that word of God says that Noah built the ark, and it rained, and then it, the, the water subsided, it took 152 days or 157 days or whatever it is to subside, then guess what it took? 152 days to subside. See? It's true. When that book says over there that in the battle the sun stood still, the sun stood still. It's fascinating. It's what it did. When that book when the book says that old Hezekiah, before he could die, he had to have a a, a seed line because his seed hit, and, and the Lord made him feel better and got him all healed. And he guess what he had? He had a seed line. Why? We've got to have the seed line then guess what happened? It happened. You see, when that book says it, it's, it's done. 
But you know what? When I read about Noah, and are you out building an ark today? The current weather, maybe you should. No, you're not. Why? Because that's in Genesis 6. It's Noah. Well, then why, what are you doing over here doing John's baptism for then? James 1, we were in there earlier. You read verse 1, James, the servant of God, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Who's he writing to? Israel, well, he's writing specifically to the 12 tribes. But you know what? You'll go in there and break your fool Christian neck on James 2 because faith without works is dead. And what's Paul say? Faith no working. You see, faith has an object, doesn't it? Do you know that if you try to do something today, you're in unbelief? That's why I said earlier, you're in unbelief. Why? Because faith doesn't work. Faith just believes, moves along. But you have this understanding here here because we got a walk to go live we got a life to go live and we have something to do so you're going to you need to be able to stand on your own two feet that thing in second corinthians one where he talks about being a helper of joy so that by faith ye may stand you see you got to understand you i love that you need me i like to be needed why because i'm a man and i'm a human <laughs> and i like to be needed. but you shouldn't have to need me you should be able to stand on your own two feet. And you should be able to come in and say, you know what? I believe the gospel. I b- the simplicity that's in Christ. He died for me. Why? Because I'm a sinner and I deserve death. He, for the wages of sin is death and I deserve that. He died for me. I'm going to believe him. I'm going to trust him. And faith says, sit there in the intimacy of your heart where you sit. Faith is a private issue. It's not a public display. A public display is a work of your flesh. That's what it is. It's a private thing. It comes inside quietly where you sit there in the privacy of your heart between you and God the Father and say, I need Him. I need that Savior. And then He says, why do you need Come I'm a sinner, man. I'm a dirty, rotten scoundrel. And He goes, okay, He's yours. And because of that, I'm going to bless you and do all this. But you know what? You'll never know the blessings if you don't have a book that tells you about it. Come over to 1 Corinthians. See how we're going always back to the book? 1 Corinthians 2. Folks, you have to understand something. You would have never known who God is unless he wrote a book. That's why I started with, Lo, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. The book's about him. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Never read verse 9 without verse 10. Because if you read verse 9 by itself, you know what it says? You can never know God. You, and, and I know they use that. I know groups use this stuff, and they say, no, see, you can never know God. Look at verse 9. Has a prepared, neither, never, you can't do that. But they don't read verse 10, because what's the first word in verse 10? But. That means something else is going on there. There's another option, isn't there? But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Who wrote the book? The Spirit did. What's the Spirit revealing? The deep things of God. He's revealing the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. Who loves Him? Those that believe the gospel. Now you got the book. Now you need a little help in making sure you're reading your mail, if you will. Because we have a Bible you can trust that never fails, never diminishes, never goes away. Have you ever noticed how your books never, they always argue the same argument? They never change their argument. They're never wishy-washy. I was reading a book by Glenn Beck on, on the issue of gun control back when that was a major issue. And it was given to me, and so I was reading it. I do that from time to time. You know, I pulled that book out the other day. You know what it said the same thing to me that it said back when I read it, back in 2016, 2017, whenever it was written? It didn't change. I'll talk to you. You'll change. This book never changes. It says the same thing. 
I had a guy one time, I never heard this right division stuff. Where's it been? Right here. It's been here since Genesis 1-1. It's been right here. Well, I never saw that verse. It's been right here. I didn't write it in. It doesn't diminish. It doesn't change. So we have a Bible we can trust. We need to know how to study it. We have a study to under, well, helps us understand. Time past, but now, ages to come. Ain't that wonderful? That is so simple. Past, present, and future. Oh, my goodness. Who thought of that? God. Really? He's a smart guy. You think? Gee whiz. Oh, well, Rick, you know, I, I, <laughs> you can study it. You can understand it. The Holy Spirit wrote it where he communicates what he wants us to know. And that's what you have to remember. All the things that the Lord did on the earth were not written in the Scriptures. All the things that the kings of Israel and Judah did aren't here in Scripture. What is here in Scripture? Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. Why? What is the word Bible? B-I-B-L-E. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Right? You've heard that. If you haven't, now you have. Okay? Basic instructions before leaving earth. What do you need? You get in. How, why in the world do I spend so much energy with you talking about how this, this dispensation ends with that issue of the rapture and everything over the years? Why? Because you don't have time to look at a YouTube tube. TV, when in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, you're out of here. you got to have that resident in your inner man. Why? Because what goes with you is how, what you've learned in the Word, rightly divided. That enables you to now be able to stand on your own two feet so that you can now have a life to go live. Come on over to Colossians 2. Look at Colossians 2. The reason we run that on the overhead is to remind you of what we're about so that you don't get too far off so I don't get too far off. See, Because sometimes we tend to like to pick things and run with them. And sometimes we need to be what? Come back over here. Pull back. Look at Colossians 2 verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye where? Where's our walk? It's in Him, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? We have a walk. We have a life. We have the grace life that we can live. Not a performance-based acceptance, you do this and I'll accept you lifestyle, but rather, we're, we, look, 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 look there, verse 7, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Who taught you that you're rooted and built up in Him? You're, you're a Gentile. The Lord Jesus Christ in His earthly ministry, Matthew 10, would have never talked to you. Actually, when he interacts with the, with the woman at the well, he ignores her. So much so that the apostles come and say, she's nagging, would you just deal with her? He goes, I'm not sent but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So no. You're left out. Sorry. Sorry, Charlie. But then he reached down and he says, I got a guy. I know a guy. Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul, the apostle of the Gentile. Now I got a guy talking to me. So even in the element, in the rudimentary basis of understanding right division, the Lord Jesus Christ, the apostle Paul, I'm, I'm sorry, the 12 apostles, the nation of Israel would have never talked to me, a Gentile. But now I got a guy that's talking to me. So who am I going to go read and listen to? The guy talking to me. Because he's now going to tell me, Gentile, no good, dirty, rotten scoundrel, who's saved by the grace of God, how to go walk and how to live. As ye, therefore, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. How did you receive him? 
Did you walk the aisle? Did you do some hoodly do? No, how'd you do? By faith. So guess how I'm going to walk? By faith. I'm going to walk by faith in this book that it's good, that it's right. I'm going to walk by faith in a lifestyle that right division has taught me to live in, whether it's in the role of a single person, whether it's in the role of a husband or a wife, and, or we have a family, or we don't, or I'm on the job, or I'm the boss. It doesn't matter what aspect of life I'm in. Guess what? I'm going to live this way. And I'm going to come in, and I'm going to have a grace lifestyle. And that's where we're headed next to look at. Because life comes in. The Christian life is a life of faith. It's a walk of faith in who you are in Christ. And I'll be honest with you, your, your Christian life cannot, will not ever operate on the basis of ignorance. It has to function on the basis of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Because if you're trying to do it on your own and you're ginning it up in your own, you know what you are? You're in ignorance because it's not I, but Christ. See, Look over at Philippians 1. Philippians 1. Philippians 1. In all the areas of life, we are to be controlled by the inner compulsion, not an external compulsion of the law, of a rule, but the inner compulsion of who we are in Christ. So you know what that means? Circumstances aren't what runs the show. Circumstances are just where I happen to be at the moment. The Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians, he's in prison. He's in jail. He's not, Acts 16, Philippian jailer, that's where we're at. He's not having a happy, 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 lovely, lovely, lovely time. He's, he's got guys... Verse 16, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add, add affliction to my bonds. He's got guys chewing on him from the pulpit, and they're preaching and railing against him. And by the way, you know what he says? <laughs> Verse 18, what then, notwithstanding everywhere, whether in pretense or in truth, what? Christ is preached. Because you know what they're doing? That, you know that goofy guy Paul down there? He says Christ died for your sins and was buried and rose again the third day. And, we, and faith and faith alone in that. We just know that ain't true. We know you got to do John's baptism. And he says, you just preach my gospel, man. Thank you. What a mindset. What a thinking process. And he comes finally to verse 21. And he says, for to me to live. Is Christ. And to die is gain. Well, yeah, no kidding. He's like, I'm between a rock and a hard place here to stay and be with you or to go home and be with him. <laughs> but notice what he says. For to me. In Paul's thinking, in some of the harshest situations that he was in, he doesn't pray for God to open the door and get him out. By the way, in Acts 16, he, the Lord does open the gates of the prison, but he doesn't leave. He stays. See, circumstances are not what's controlling you. It's how you think through the circumstance in the moment. For to me, to live is Christ. Paul says in the moment, right here, right now, in this moment, when I look at the detail and the circumstances that I'm in, do you know what's more important? Living for Christ. So I'm going to adjust my thinking. And I'm going to come over. Chapter 4. And I'm going to understand something here. And I'm going to take something. Again, I got a book. I got the gospel. I got a message. I understand that I'm in Christ and what's going on the church, the body of Christ. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come over here and I'm going to pay attention to what's going on in my life in this moment. So he says, Philippians 4, verse number 
11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have, what's that word? Doctrines learned, not doctrines received or revealed. Paul got, he's the revelator, man. He's getting it all. He's given it. But he still had to do what with it? Learn it. Notice that verse carefully. Oh, Rick, I know the verse. Do you? Oh, I know these verses. I live by these verses. Pfft, you're a liar. I got to wipe that all later. I don't have COVID, okay? Everybody calm down. Okay? We were in fries the other day and a guy sneezed and over the, I mean, loud. I don't have COVID. I'm like, okay, good. I mean, I heard him two rows over, you know? Why? Because everybody free. Listen, folks, if you say, I, <laughs> the situation here, what did he say? I've learned. In whatsoever the state I am, therewith to be what? You want contentment? You want peace? You got to learn that it isn't about you in the moment. It's about how you react in the moment. It isn't about the moment. He's in prison. He doesn't know if he's living the next day. He doesn't know that. They don't have the judicial system like we have back then. If Herod or Claudius or Nero or whoever's in charge wanted him dead, he'd have been dead just by their word. Well, fortunately, he wasn't. And we, okay. And he says, hey, in this moment, you know what for me to do is to what? It's to live. Because I've learned something from life in Christ Jesus. I've learned that in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am, what? Instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Why? Because I've got a gospel I can believe. It's coming from a book I can trust. From a study now I can understand what's going on in this book. And that's enabling me to have a life that I can go now live. I had a lady one time tell me, but Rick, I'm doing those verses. I said, you're a lying dog. You're not doing those verses. Because if you did the verses, you know what your life would be? Content. So if your life isn't content, that means you're not obeying the verses. I don't care what you say. I don't care any, you can, you're just spewing hot air. Because what does Philippians 4 say? I've learned to be content. And what was his contentment for to me to live? Is Christ. That all leads us to a purpose that we can fulfill. And that's what everybody in this room wants, is purpose. We all do. We find it in various activities, but the true purpose that we can fulfill. If you don't have a purpose in life, you'll just go in a big circle. Come back to come over to Ephesians 2. And I'll beg the forgiveness of the nursery, but we got to do this. Ephesians 2. Uh-oh, it's right. Ephesians 2. God says that you have a purpose today in the body of Christ. You have purpose. One of the leading things the psychologists say about man's psyche, number one, is they want acceptance. Well, I've been accepted in the beloved. And then purpose is a close number one, but it's in really at number two. And you know, you have purpose. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, what? Unto. Circle that word. Box it out. Highlight it. Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk. What? You... Verse 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not about you, it's about him, right? For we are his workmanship, created, where? In Christ Jesus, unto some things. You've got a purpose. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, we've got a vocation wherewith we've been called. You've got purpose. There's some stuff for you to do, whether, again, it's in the roles of your life or where you're at in the situation, married, single, working, not working, whatever you're at, I mean, retired, grandparents, wherever you're at in life, you've got purpose. Your purpose is to live as a member of the body of Christ. 
Your purpose is to come along and is to say, this is who I am. Your purpose is to say, for to me to live is Christ. Folks, we need to remember that. We need to reset our thinking in that. Because what happens? Life rolls in. And before you know it, the blindfolders are on because I'm just trying to make it up the mountain. Just trying to make it up the mountain. And Paul says, yeah, but look around as you're going. Stop and take a breather. Pay attention because you got stuff to do. You got a family to influence. You got a, a local assembly to be a part of. You got stuff to do. You got a life that's worth living. And that's what we're going to be talking about now and the rest for the next year or two. It's the grace life, folks. How this word comes in and it impacts you. But you know where it starts? It starts from knowing a gospel we can believe. It comes in understanding that we have a Bible we can trust with a study we can understand. A life that we can go live. Why? Because we have a purpose that we can fulfill. It's not, it's, it's not, oh my goodness, what do I do now? It's simplicity that's in Christ. And we need to adjust our thinking, honestly. Because you know why? We get our thinking in the circumstance. The circumstance is just life. By the way, you're where you're at in life because you made a choice to be at that point in life. You made the choice. I mean, could you imagine being the Apostle Paul? Daily meetings with the Lord. <laughs> Download from heaven. And then you say, I still had to learn to be content. You know what a fat head he could have had? Oh, I know the verses. No, you don't. Because you're not living the verses. Knowing and living are two different things, man. They are two different things. All right, I'll let you go and I'll get off the hot seat. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for... Everything that you've given to us in your Son, without him we would be nothing, and without you we would be nothing. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we, the best way to demonstrate that is that we go out and live life as who we are in Christ. And we do it with the proper mindset of not to be right, not to win the victories, not to win the arguments but just so that we have a life worthy of you. And we'll do that for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray.